All right, my friends. Well, welcome back to Trekology. Thank you so much for joining us yet again. Here we are, and we are ready to uh, talk. We're ready to talk. I mean, that's literally what you do on a podcast. <laughs> so uh, introductions always are in order. I am Jeff, and with me is Greg. Hi, Greg. Hi, Jeff. Hi. And I, we, I like with me always is Greg. Yeah. Yeah. The disappointment <laughs> in my voice. I'm like, yeah. I have a baby with me. That's true. We do have a, a special guest star. So that's very exciting. Hello. Hi, Surprise. Jeff. Oh, there you go. That's that's your baby <laughs> voice. No, that's what the baby sounds like, right? That's, oh. what, that's what the baby sounds like. They're small, so they have really high voices. Um, what what has been in Star Trek for you recently, my friend? Oh, we've been watching a lot of the animated series. Oh, so we've okay. been on vacation, and uh, you know, I load up my iPad with stuff, and I was asking my son what he would like to watch while we're on our vacation, and. He said the animated series. Hmm. So we we load a bunch of animated series on. We've been watching a lot. He's been really into it, which has been fun. He says his favorite character is Spock. Of course. Because he always knows the answer. That's true. It's everybody's favorite. Yeah. Surprising. I think it's surprising. Is that, So my wife um, has watched Star Trek with me. And we've watched, uh, she grew up, she watched, you know, a number of uh, Next Generation episodes uh, she said she was into Voyager, though she did kind of give up at, on it at some point. Uh, and then for me, as a, a huge uh, DS9 fan, we watched all seven seasons of DS9. And she enjoyed it, but I don't remember there ever being a time where she was like, can we watch another episode? Can we watch it? But that's the way Strange New Worlds has been. She literally, it's just like, what do you want to watch tonight? And she will pick Strange New Worlds, like over other things. It's like, that's, so good. I mean, it's all right. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. If I had to guess, there's two things that I have picked up on my wife really being into. Is one, which I, I know you haven't gotten to watch uh, season uh, two yet, uh, but she has referred to Girl Squad, where there are, I don't remember this in the first season, but there are a number of scenes that take place between, uh, who is it, Uhura and... Um, Oh, I can never remember what's her name. Uh, who's the helmsman? O'Reilly. No, it's not O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, oh, and my wife's going to be all upset that I forgot her name. But anyway, anyway, she hasn't been anyway. She hasn't been uh, a central character in too many episodes. But nonetheless, uh, she's definitely all, always around. Uh, and then number one and Nurse Chapel uh -huh. uh, and uh, what's her name? Uh, Khan. Yeah. And, uh, uh, the, the, the like five of them will get together and be like hanging out. And uh, yeah, my wife just loves that. Yeah. Calls it the girl squad and they're always like cheer. Because what is it? They get on um, Nurse Chapel at one point about her thing with Spock and all of that, mm -hmm. which no spoilers, but that takes a turn, let's say. <laughs> um, uh, the um, And then the other one is too, is that I feel like the humor in Strange New Worlds is a significant part of the show. I wouldn't even say humor per se as just the lighthearted tone. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in some ways it's reminiscent of the uh, original series where the original series. I was going to say that. Yeah. They did. You know, they would land every episode with like a one liner just right. about, especially in hindsight. I didn't find it as a theme all the way through. Whereas with this, it definitely is. And I mean, the nice thing I like about season two I feel like either I'm more used to Pike's kind of like, hey, everybody, how's everything? Like his, his buddy, buddy nature is a little bit either less or I'm more used to it. Um, it is interesting, though, that uh, I feel like they have said in both the original series and in Next Generation, uh, at least in the original series, is that Kirk had to be a part of every single story. Like, and Kirk had to be the central character of every single story. Yeah. Uh, and then they ventured off a little bit of that from, uh, especially later Next Generations, where Picard wasn't even in every episode. Right. Uh, there's a lot of Strange New Worlds episodes. I mean, the the first episode of the season, uh, I don't think Pike's even in. I, I was telling you earlier that I read some list that was ranking the greatest Star Trek uh, shows of all time, and it put Strange New Worlds as number one. And I was like, settle down here. Like, you can be all well and impressed, but after one and a half seasons to already declare it the best show of all time, like, settle down, settle down. That's that's seems like a bit much. Strange New Worlds is coming in hot. You know, like it, yeah. it it's doing a really good job these first two these first two seasons. Yeah. 
I would say the first seasons of other shows are not always as good. Right. I think Strange Rarely. New Worlds came out really good almost right from the get-go. Yeah. I think even the first episode is a good episode. Yeah. Which is rare wonder, for a Star Trek. I wonder if there's some level. I don't I've never read anything about people doing research or something like that. There's some level of like learning where like you start with so like let's take the new whatever we call the golden era or whatever of Trek with Next Generation and uh, uh, DS9, Voyager, all, all of those. Um, so you take the first one, which is Encounter at Farpoint. Lousy. Like most people would say there's a lot of things in it that this is just poor, boring Star Trek. Uh, they didn't know who they were. They didn't know blah, 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 blah. So then you move, what, four years later and you get the first episode of Deep Space Nine. Better. Like, Emissary, a lot of people thought that was a pretty good start. But then the first season, Little Rocky. They were still trying to figure out what's this all about. Like, we don't have an Enterprise. Uh, where are we going here? Then, two years later, we get uh, Voyager. First episode, one of the best. Like, right. really, really solid beginning. First season, pretty solid. Uh, and then you go a little bit longer, and Enterprise. Enterprise. I think Enterprise's first episode was one of the best uh, of those four. Maybe yeah. the best premiere. Same thing. It was very. It was like a big, like movie production sort of a yep. thing. First season overall, fairly solid. Yeah. So I wonder. It almost felt like they were learning. That's a really good point. Yeah. And then they. It's not well. And then the weird thing is, I keep saying they. It's not that they hit the reset button, but it's Discovery comes along, and this is a whole new group of people. Like so, this is not. Berman and Taylor and and uh, 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 Braga and like those guys are all gone. So you got a whole new group that's doing Discovery, and I don't know. Do they same like same issues again? They start off the first season and like, oh, yeah. we don't really know what we're doing. Then Picard, well, I don't know if they ever knew what they were doing in Picard. Maybe the third, maybe the third season, and then yeah, I don't know about. Well, actually, I watched the first episode of Lower Decks, and uh, all right. So yeah, maybe they're learning. Yeah, it could that be. Could be. That could be. That's makes a sense. that's a really good point. Hmm. Now, when they make the the new uh, the new show, the Section Thirty One show, yeah, you think it's good? Uh, are you saying probably good first episode, good first season? I mean, based on the track record. I mean, other than again, it it somewhat depends on how we critically look at Enterprise. Mm. Uh, is that because? I think what our view of Enterprise was is it started off strong and then it faded. It, I mean, is that the the destiny for Strange New Worlds, or is Strange New Worlds going to be like the 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 trendsetter and then, uh, or is it the new next generation where we have a whole generation of generation, yeah, a, a whole like cohort of people who that is their touchstone for star trek see but then what about discovery i feel like discovery i don't know i, I wonder what place discovery will have in lore just because because mm -hmm. it came first it was the the yeah. dawn of new new trek and um so controversial, controversial though right right but will it be you know 20 years from now or or even I more wonder. so whatever. that's a good question we'll we'll come back we'll record a special 20th anniversary 20th anniversary well, by that point, we'll be, uh, who knows? We'll be on Star Trek at that point. Unlikely, <laughs> unlikely but we'll be professional uh, Star Trek commentators. I could see you point. as a Cardassian. A Cardassian. My friends, uh, we are uh, deep into Lower Decks, and uh, we jumped into season three this time. Yeah. Right? Season three, to this time we are talking about the episode, The Least Dangerous Game. Now, so Greg, you picked this one. What made you pick this particular episode? You know, I I like this episode from season three. I think season three was not quite as good as the first two, but I thought this was a really standout episode. Hmm. I think you get to see Mariner trying to be good, you know, trying to, hmm. um, you know, do things according to regulations, which she inevitably fails at. <laughs> um I I I like uh um Boimler's story. I like I like I like stories where people have to act differently from how they are. Okay. Okay. Like fighting against their own personalities. And I think this episode had had that for both Boimler and Mariner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I so, also like uh, stories where people are hunted. 
Oh, yes. So. <laughs> Good. Don't we all? Don't we all? So that would, if I'm going to sum up this episode, one of, now, was this character actually in the show already? Vol, 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 whatever? No. The guy that becomes a captain? That's just somebody he knows from like, the academy? Well, he, he's, in a, he's in a couple episodes. He is. But it, he's, a, he's a minor character. Right, right. right. Yeah. And he has apparently become promoted to captain. Yeah. And so Boimler is, is jealous because like this is what he's been striving for. Uh, and so he gets the suggestion uh, instead of doing everything according to your plan, what if you just start like accepting, like doing things, which saying at the yes, same point, to yes, saying yes, which at the same point was kind of like, why wasn't that part of your plan? If a senior officer says, Hey, do you want to join the choir? You say yes, bro. Like, come <laughs> on. Like, I don't know. But anyway, he was very conservative, I guess, in his, his, uh, approaches and always being you know saying you know no 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 i gotta focus on this i gotta focus on this so instead he starts saying yes he ends up being part of a uh uh what was it a lament choir no a um what was the phrase they used not uh, lamentation it's no but something like that very yeah. sad yeah. sad choir from for the bajorans uh and uh and then he ends up being yeah hunted by this other uh, character that's on board the ship Meanwhile, they're trying to fix a, not a space elevator, but a uh, lunar lift. An orbital lift. Orbital lift. Not they're a trying, space elevator. Exactly. They're trying to repair them. Uh, and inexplicably, the first officer sends the engineers down to the planet for diplomacy and keeps himself and Mariner up there to work on uh, the uh, uh, orbital lift. Uh, they both get into trouble, and then they have to come and save the day, and blah 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 blah. So, and they do they ever really fix the orbital lift? Because I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it that's just like, abandoned, right? I mean, my assumption would be they finally get the engineers up there, right? And they do it because yeah, like that's Mariner their was job. saying, you can fix this, and which that's the part that doesn't really make sense to me. Is it? Yeah, like what? Why? What? What is your justification for? putting the people that literally specialize in this and not having them do this. Well, that's Mariner's whole thing. Right. I think that the first officer, his whole point is, you know, you have to follow orders whether or not they make sense to you personally. Right. So is that his, that's all he's trying to do? He's trying to prove, prove a point? I think he's just trying to prove a point. He's not a, he's not a good manager, Jeff. Oh, okay. And that's the other part too. Is it so this is only the well, no, third. I did watch all of the first episode. I watched our episode last episode and then this one. So this is only my third uh um lower decks episode. Though I did watch the crossover episode on Strange New oh, Worlds. Right. So that's kind of like a half episode. So I I that's kind of my glimpse. To be honest, some of my lower decks viewing is tainted by our last episode. I find it really hard to not look at Mariner as a mass murderer. And so <laughs> I think I need because in the context of the story, I don't think we're supposed to think that. No, we're supposed to be like, ah, oh, it's just the holodeck. Nothing matters on the holodeck. Right. So and as we discussed last time, that might be problematic. Yes. Right. But nonetheless, I think in universe, I need to put that aside and uh, try and yeah view it from from not that perspective. Were you, uh, see, I haven't seen the crossover episode, yeah. but were you internally screaming, Pike, watch out? Uh, no, I didn't think she was gonna actually kill them but it definitely has tainted my view of her yeah so every time i see her i'm just kind of like ugh. like I, I don't like her because of mm -hmm. that uh and i think you're supposed to like her man so. that might have been a bad episode to start you off right. on. it was a tough <laughs> one it was although the funny thing was and then seeing the first episode through the lens of that episode because from that perspective most of the episodes that you see her in she's grumpy and she's always disobeying and she's always like that's kind of her thing right so, yeah, if you're saying it's like, well, it's because she wants to murder everybody. It's like, <laughs> well, okay, now you've given uh, ulterior motives to... Secretly, to she's trying to kill everybody. Right. And that's why she's grumpy and yeah. disobedient. Yeah. So, and, and I was telling you before, I feel like from these two, three and a half episodes of Lower Decks that I've watched, my challenge that I feel like I need... I don't know. I need some level of at least internal resolution to kind of enjoy Lower Decks uh, is the question of can canonicity is the fact that we're supposed to believe that this actually like this is this could be a live action show and it would be just as part of the Star Trek universe as right. any other thing. And I struggle with that, especially for some reason, like the, the original or the animated series is not canon. And that's way no, I, more I, And canon. that's so strange because right? I, I will I will die on this hill 
that the animated series should be canon. Oh, totally. I it, mean, again, same actors, same writers, same like everything. Right. I don't know what in the world in it other than if there's some level of other stories didn't treat it as though it was canon. I think that's but, the that that's the issue is the decisions made by other writers yeah. to not include it because they saw it as a lesser form. Could be, could be. But I mean, some of it has yeah. come up again. I mean, we have the Cadians, you know, and that started in the animated series. Huh. Fox, huge skeleton, infinite Vulcan okay. shows up in Lower Decks and Lower yeah. Decks is canon. And that's my thought, like with Lower Decks specifically. And that's why I feel like the animated series is different because the animated series takes itself seriously. It does. Whereas Lower Decks, I don't think we're supposed to take it seriously. This is supposed to be a joke. It's played for laughs. And that to make it canon makes it like, no, these are real people that are really doing this thing. Uh, And even there's a thing in the crossover episode where it's just kind of like, so they come from an animated reality to a real reality. But it's like, it's not supposed to... I don't understand how that is supposed to work. Mm. Where it's I like, have to see this episode. Yeah. Well, and there's there's a... Uh, it's not a spoiler because it's just kind of like a joke at the end is uh, Mariner introduces like a, a drink from the future to the cast and they all start drinking it and then they all hallucinate that they're actually animated. <laughs> so that gave them the excuse to do the final scene of the Strange New Worlds cast animated. Right. But... And that's, 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 again, that's the tough part where it's like you do certain things in animation that, you know, aren't reality-based. That's why you do animation. Right. And they were even talking, yeah, on uh, um, one of the making ofs or whatever, the actor that plays Boimler was talking about certain motions that his animated character does that are not natural to humans. That just like, like the flapping of his arms and just like mm-hmm. stuff like that. So anyway, that's, that's kind of my beef, I guess, which I feel like. I, I need some level of resolve. Like, maybe even if I just personally consider it not canon, I could enjoy it more. Um, hmm. But anyway, that's one thing just to kind of throw out there that uh, has been a struggle. Yeah. I'd just like to point out that we are on a podcast about a fictional show. Yeah. And maybe we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously. Right. Right. But then what are we doing here? If we don't take it We're seriously. We're hanging out, Jeff. Right? We're but, hanging but, out. But by taking this seriously. <laughs> Although that's the irony, though, is that the way that we take it seriously, hopefully, is less about this is this is real and more this is what I'm getting out of it. Mm. Which again is and for me that's the struggle. Is that if I'm not if I'm taking this seriously, then I'm getting different things out of it than if I'm not taking it seriously. That's and true. So there's some it's, level, you know, the, there's a there's a certain level of toxicity a lot of times in fan culture. That's true. You know, where things that don't adhere to what the fans think or mm-hmm. believe about this universe offends them. And I think, like I've talked about, like I think that's somewhat of the power of Star Trek is that the writing is so good that these characters feel so real. They do. Is that they feel like, I mean, that's always my thing about Deep Space Nine is I feel like these people are my friends. Like I yeah. know them intimately. I've seen them in these like situations and stuff like that. Uh, that, yeah, if you're going to mess with them, like I kind of take it seriously because like you're messing with my friends. And, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to say Chief O'Brien doesn't know what the heck he's talking about, like I kind of take umbrage to that. Like not mm-hmm. my Chief O'Brien. My okay. Chief O'Brien knows what the heck he's doing and is apparently one of the most, uh, uh, what is it, influential characters in Star Trek or whatever? Doesn't really have a statue. <laughs> Which again is canon. So they literally built a statue somewhere yep. in history. Uh, we're getting a little. Oh, come I on. I have a feeling <laughs> at some point they're going to decanonize. I, I, think, I think you're probably right. And then. I think it was a fun idea and it's probably right. not. It's, it's hard to defend. Right. That's Which, fair. And, and I think what they can do very easily, like with the whole lower decks or uh, the crossover episode, is that it's that's a alternate reality. Yeah. And then boom, pocket boom. universe, baby. Like, like again, your whole mirror universe thing, like which they got way into, but anyway, way too into. <laughs> like I think we've talked about. All right. So anyway, from this particular episode, it seems like there was like the uh, A story, B story, whatever the story with Mariner. Um, is about, you're right, it's about her trusting 
her command, like that her commanding officer knows what he's talking about. Right. Um, which I thought was interesting. And again, not the point of the story, the story, like again, because this is a comedy, I don't think you're supposed to be like, and there's the moral, like Mariner has learned her lesson and is like, that's not how they, which it. makes these episodes hard to talk about in our, it's in true, our context. But we can still view it that yeah. way. That the interesting thing was uh, like they bring up is that um, ultimately had she trusted that her commanding officer knew what he was doing and had the best interest of everybody at heart, uh, things would have been easier. She wouldn't have had to climb up uh, however many stories and the rock wall yeah. and all that sort of ridiculousness. But So I don't know. That That's an interesting, like, neither of us have served in the military. So I don't know that we can go, like, you know, military train, chain of command and, like, at what point, conscientious objectors, and at what point do you say, like, do you want a soldier to be able to say, no, you're wrong, sir? Um, but like, how does that play out in like the corporate world? How does that play out? Like, is there, well, not is there, there's a situation I'm sure where your boss would not have the best interest at heart. Right. Right. So how do you, how do you, as a subordinate, as a loyal subordinate, how do you navigate that balance between believing in your your superior and blind obedience, I guess? I think this gets to some deeper que questions about how we are supposed to view work, you know? Okay. And, and like working as in like, not like doing stuff, but participating in a in a team that is trying to hmm. work towards something. Um, you know, if you're at McDonald's or something like that, something that I don't think there there are many employees of McDonald's who are like who are working the counter and firmly believe that they are doing something to better humankind. Hmm. Nobody's serving burgers because they are because they they feel like this is my calling my calling is to make hamburgers for people that there are people though that can find purpose in the things that they do and find mission in those things mm. that that is not the exact they're not exact job description mm. so somebody working at mcdonald's can can acknowledge that they are they are blessing the people around them by providing a, by providing food for them cheap food that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise right you know and that's and somebody has to serve people mm. and, and that true. by being serving they are serving others or they're they're able to bless the people right, around right, them. right, right. and that that's important I, I, I firmly believe that work gives people dignity. Hmm. You know, the, that dignity. Having, good. having a purpose to uh, being able to bless people around you, I think most, if not all people, need that deeply hmm. in themselves. That's a, that's a soul deep thing, is yeah. that we need to feel like we are contributing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's part of, that that's one of the great, problems actually i think in our society today is that people don't have that yeah. that we've devalued work so much mm. that we have that what we should be seeking is a life of pleasure a life mm. of a self-fulfillment rather than fulfillment mm. to others um and that that's that's a that's a really deep cultural problem i yeah. think um because work should be fulfilling it it, it is the ideal that everybody is fulfilled in, in their job. Right. That's the ideal. Now, that's hard to do and also requires the worker to have some sense of humility and some sense of like willingness to look beyond sweeping the floor, hmm. you know, wrapping a burger in their special pattern, you know, <laughs> to look beyond that and see what is this doing for the community around me. Interesting. You know, and and people i think people are reluctant to do that these days huh and before this comes off as just a you know the trouble with kids these days because <laughs> i really don't want that because i think there are very legitimate issues with the way that our capitalist 
society treats people mm-hmm. in, in, in all these positions. It's not, it's not that. We shouldn't be, that it goes both ways. The worker yeah. and the employer both need to be working in concert to make work meaningful. Hmm. Like work has to get done. But we sh- we should also be treating people with human dignity yeah. Yeah. and not just as bits that do a, a specific function. Because hmm. Hmm. Um, Lower Decks is obviously trying to explore the other side of Starfleet and the other and all of this right. like new track is like you know where it's just a little bit darker view sometimes of like a, a flawed federation and uh, one uh, which I need to stop complaining about Lower Decks but like one of the the um, somewhat of the disregard that the senior staff has for the lower decks people kind of bothers me sometimes. Like the captain always forgetting Boimler's name. I'm just kind of like, I don't think Picard would have done that. Yep. Now, Picard might not have known who, because the, there's no way he knows every single person right. in there, but Picard's a better leader than that. Like Picard yeah. doesn't, like if you don't know somebody's name, you ask them their name. Or you find some way of saying like, "Hey, sport." <laughs> he wouldn't have said sport. He would have, you know, said ensign or something like that. But you don't like, you know, you don't try and do it wrong. Like, no way. That's disrespectful. And you have more respect for because, especially like like you talked about with Picard. Like, did he view everyone on here as his family? To some extent, Kirk certainly did. Yeah. I believe that's true. And that every little, even though, like, I'll admit, the, the red shirts dying didn't seem to bother him too much. But it does, I, I would fully believe that he meets up an ensign and, like, which even, like, what... Well, okay, you, no. you see those scenes, though, where he where he's forced together with an ensign and he asks the oh, ensign he about... Well, he, usually knows the ensign's name yeah, somehow he knows true. every usually they're female and that's for well. one reason or another uh but like he always knows like you know the the what is it like uh uh macgyvers in uh in uh, space seed right somehow he knows who are what is her expertise i don't know something ridiculous right and he knows who she is already um but like i think about like the trouble with tribbles uh uh ds9 episode and when uh Cisco goes up to like present and even, you know, he has the like ensign, ensign and like he's asking his name. Like that's anyway. The thing that I really wonder about, which again, uh, I feel like Lower Decks is hinting at. And I think we as the audience Mm -hmm. probably already have this perspective is that in our capitalist world today, I would say that it is virtually universally, you can't be both virtual and universal, but uh, accepted that CEO is a better job than burger flipper. You would rather be the manager. That's a better job. Forget about better for you. It's just better period. That That is assumed. Right. right. And I mean, and, and part of that is also the, the money. We pay that person more because it's a better job because, and, and you, and I mean, that's somewhat of the assumption too, like with the argument about minimum wage or against minimum wages is, is the idea that, you as the burger flipper don't want to stay there. You want to work your way up to become a better job, like a manager or an assistant or, or, right. or something like that, which I think then creates this problem of devaluing these positions. Right. So same thing with lower decks. I think the stereotype that we would have is that we look at these lower level functionaries, even though they are vital, like without those ensigns, this ship couldn't function, which is, I think, somewhat of the point of the show. Yeah. Um, but we're, they're supposed to believe that this can't be my landing point. Like I've got to work to a better job, even though there's no money. It's not like the captain gets paid more than Boimler does. Nobody gets paid anything. Right. Like, or at least that's the old school Star Trek view of it. So I don't know. That's kind of a weird, like balance with that whole thing. Even in Star Trek, or at least in lower decks, the captain's going to get a lot more praise, a lot more respect from mm. people than Boimler gets. That's why Boimler wants to be captain, you know? Interesting. Because he, he's looking at that as a promotion, which, I mean, that's I mean that's the term that we use. Everybody's essential to the ship. Right. You know, I guess there's something to be said. And we talked about work last season, is that that... that you are more likely to be able to find an ensign engineer, you know, a, a low-level engineer that is able to do the that work than you are to find a 
a head of engineering. Somebody who can not only do that work, but have an understanding of the entire system and be able to manage people. That, the, that is a greater skill set. There are more requirements for that. And not everybody can do that job. Right. Right. So there is, okay. there is some sense of like, you are better skilled at, if you are a head engineer or the head of engineering, right. you have a greater skill set than the bottom of the line right. ensign engineer, the guy who you pay to switch out those like right. lighted halogen tubes <laughs> or whatever. Right. Well, and yet, so not everybody has that skill set. And is that okay? Yes, because the, that ensign, that ensign switching out the halogen tubes, maybe they are very good at playing the violin or whatever, right? You know, or the or saxophone. maybe they're not good at anything, and that's okay too. They are a valuable person, though, right? And that—that's right. the problem—is devaluing that yes. just because their work can be done by more people. Yeah, like because there's more people because that—that's saying that the only value you have is the work hmm. rather than the work being a valuable part hmm. of a valuable person. You're already valuable. Right, right, right. Well, and then you get, yeah, that's, which hopefully that's a internal and separate thing. Like you, you find your value uh, 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 separate from just your work. The yeah. only sense of value I have is if I'm not valued at work, I'm not valued at all. But right? that that's part of, that's part of our culture today is yeah. that because work is so central to us. Yeah. That if our job isn't valuable, we feel not valuable. Right. So if we're devaluing those jobs already, we are devaluing those people, even though the jobs that they do can and are valuable. Yeah. People need to do those jobs. Yeah. And being able to have human dignity in those jobs is essential, I think, mm. to, to a properly functioning society yeah. where people feel valuable. Because so many people today don't feel valuable and that's that's a problem i mean that that's not just a a minor problem i think a lot of our social ills come from the devaluing of human beings hmm. that that you know we need this more holistic uh pro-life pro-human being yeah uh ethic in our in our culture and part of that, I think a, a really big part of it is actually valuing work, hmm. the work that everybody does. Right. And also valuing it yourself, too. If, yeah. you're, if you are sweeping floors somewhere, it is wrong to take culture's view of that and say, this is not valuable work. Hmm. What you are doing is valuable work. And, right. and some of the happiest people that I've met, people who are really happy in their jobs, are doing menial jobs. Yeah. But they're doing it with with an attitude that they are serving others mm. and that the job that they're doing is valuable. Yeah. And they are they are so happy to be of service to their fellow human beings to the rest of society. Yeah. And that's not that's not a minor thing and that shouldn't be taken no. lightly. Yeah. I do wonder like how and we were talking about this uh, I don't remember if it was a previous episode or whatever um about uh, I found it fascinating how much of current American culture has been shaped out of a fear of communism mm. and how much, and they talked about even like our, the number one expenditure of our government is the mortgage tax rebate that they give homeowners because the government decided in the fifties, like we need to get people buying homes because if they have a stake, if they own something like a house, then communism doesn't sound as good anymore. Yeah. So there was this, fear this like crazy fear that our whole system had or whoever in our system had over communism and i wonder if that's even a part of it where this idea of our um dependence or our, our value coming from our work whereas you would assume in a communist commune general environment is that it's not the work is important but you are not your work Mm -hmm. Like the work needs to be done and you like you're you're not valued because you're doing your work like you're valued and this work needs to be done are like separate things. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I wonder if our 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 capitalist culture like that's that factors yeah. in. Yeah. Um, and at least part of it, too, like going back to this whole idea of like trusting our superiors um, is I find 
Uh, like I, I, I think back to that episode of The Office, or I guess it was like a whole arc in The Office when they hired um, uh, what's his name, Idris Elba, uh, to be uh, Michael. No, not Michael. What was his name? Steel or whatever. He was. Uh, uh, I can't remember his name right now. But he he was from the steel business, so he had never actually worked in paper. And Michael couldn't handle that. And I mean, he even has his. Do you even know how paper is made? You can't put it in a fire. It ruins it. And uh, <laughs> uh, and, and but it is that interesting thing that. I do think, maybe not exclusively, but people that I have worked for who have kind of worked their way up to that position, a lot of times I have a lot more respect for. Uh, so like, like just working at Domino's. So my manager had been working for Domino's Pizza for 20 years. And I'm like, this, this, this person knows how to make a pizza. Like the, the, I, I respect that. This isn't somebody who had never made a pizza before who just came in here and is going to start telling people like, well, you know, you really need to do it this way. It's like, you don't know, but no, someone who's been doing it, they know. Like it's a certain level of like, I don't know, earned respect maybe mm. is, a, is a thing Interesting. where I do kind of wonder the difference between respecting the position versus respecting the person um, where it's, uh, I think sometimes we have both where I respect the title, I respect your your office, um, as opposed to I actually respect the person, like they have earned it outside of just their job title. Um, that's an interesting one, because like like in this Lower Decks episode, I don't know, I don't know like th that, um, what's his name, the first officer, has earned the respect outside of being the first officer. Because mm -hmm. like you said, it sounds like he's not a great manager, he's maybe not a great, First officer, he does seem like he's you know making choices that are not necessarily the best or or whatever. Right. Um, which is tough because like in the military, I don't think you're able, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, did you watch? Did you see Band of Brothers? I didn't. The miniseries. So which is interesting because you know it's based pretty well on uh, the 101st Airborne okay. in, in World War II. Come, come in at one point who's like right out of West Point. So he graduated, but he had no practical experience. He had not been right. in the field or something like that. And comes in and the, the, these like battle-hardened veterans are kind of like, who is this guy? Like, what the heck does this yeah. guy know? Uh, and they didn't have the respect. They obeyed his orders because he – but they didn't really like, do you really know? And, you know, the, the reality was, too, he made some dumb calls where he was just like, you know, the map says we're supposed to be here, but we're clearly not here. And they're like, sir, you have to throw the map away. Like, we're off the grid right now or whatever. And he just couldn't you know, do that. So that's um, a, that's a pretty common trope, I think. Right. You know, yes. Especially in, in war things. Right. With the, you know, the, the grizzled veterans who really know what's happening, Yes. but they're all lower level. And then you have these people who have like bought their commission right. coming in on top, you yeah. know, is there, is there some quality though to, you know, graduating West Point and then coming out and teaching? Yeah. I mean, well, I think, I think, and that, that, that's the challenge, even going back to Chief O'Brien, like that was the thing right. with Chief O'Brien. Chief O'Brien didn't, uh, I don't quite understand, so he didn't go to the academy? I thought he talked about going to the academy, but he's a chief petty officer, so he's enlisted, he's not, right. he didn't graduate from, for one reason or other, I don't know the chief's story or, or something like that, but, um, so there is some level, he's got the battle, you know, he, he, and we love Chief O'Brien, and I mean, there's the joke that like, is Chief O'Brien the best engineer around? Uh, but if you're going to put Chief next to Jordy LaForge, Jordy has a vaster array of information that he knows. Yeah. Not as much practical experience per se. So, like, am I going to trust? And that's what's interesting about specifically Chief O'Brien's role is he's sent to a Cardassian station to make this Cardassian station and Federation and Bajoran technology all work together. Right. That's the kind of person I would want there. Because I believe Chief O'Brien is the best one. Jordy would kind of be like, I mean, could Jordy figure it out? Sure, he's a great engineer. Yeah. But his textbooks are of very little value at this point. Right, but vice versa too. Yes. You know, Chief O'Brien, he's very good at figuring stuff out. And like, I mean, it seems like a lot of time using the Federation equip equivalent of duct tape mm -hmm. and WD-40 to make stuff. everything work. Yep. But... You know, if you are the Enterprise, mm -hmm. you know, the, the number one ship in the fleet, yep. and you're the one having all the adventures out there, it's a good idea who, to get somebody who's, like, the the expert yes. 
you know, in knows Federation, the textbook in and out. You know, Starship. Yep. And that's Jordy. Yes. And that's that's Montgomery Scott, you know? That's... I'd say Scotty's both. Mm. Scotty was kind okay. of the king okay. of the I jury rig. But he was also and like you said, and I think that was the interesting thing you said way back in the way back, is that um everyone in both Next Generation and the original series, were experts at their field. Yeah. There was never a language that Uhura couldn't translate. Right. There was never a scientific problem that Spock couldn't, between him and the computer, figure out. Like, there was, ne- it was never a question of competence. Yeah. Um, whereas later on, we get a little bit less of that, where you get, you know, different people that have different levels of, yeah. I mean, like, that's another example, like Bashir. Dr. Bashir comes on, uh, uh, comes on DS9 fresh out of the academy yeah he had zero practical experience so a lot of his and he had a couple of bumps on the road were just to kind of like whether some of it was just like you know calling the bajoran stupid or you know stuff like that but you know i don't know if we want to get on a whole thing about bashir oh (laughs) well right he's not the best doctor (laughs) oh how dare you oh how dare you you. i mean literally biologically he is he's literally genetically designed to be a great yeah yeah but that's illegal yes it is unless unless you're first officer of the enterprise then it's fine and and, and your captain oh you didn't see that episode yet your captain argues for for why you should be okay well that's that's a separate matter apparently it's true it's a whole different thing um, so, but uh, before we go too far uh, down this road, we did want to talk about intercultural interactions. Because this episode, it was funny. I mean, they did, like, they kind of threw all the tropes in. It looked like they were dressed like, um, what is it, the Paradise episode where Wesley steps on a yeah. flower and gets killed. That was like yeah. their outfits. Uh, but they were very Rysian in their, like, they kiss, uh, they kiss, they hello, kiss hello and all that sort of With stuff. With tongue. Uh, right, right, and they they do the the uh, they're having drinking contests and all that sort of stuff like that, um, but then they you know break some rule and so they have violated the telepathic baby and the, the sentient, sentient computer volcano and the sentient and the, volcano and the ancient computer yeah uh, which I don't think a sentient volcano was ever actually a I don't remember that one I think that was just a but, joke right? yeah but it is it is that challenge about being you know in another culture and. And I mean, it was kind of the joke too that the first officer kept saying like, no, it's fine. Just like, you know, do this and do that. Just say, I would demand a parlay, talk to their, like blah, Expose blah, 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 your blah. belly button. Right. Which is the interesting thing that like in Star Trek, a lot of times it does feel like there's a, no, you have violated this law. There is no coming back. Like one misstep and you're yeah. done. Do um, we have anything like that though? In American I society? I mean, uh, it's tough to tell American society because we're inside of it. Yeah. Um, and I think there's also a difference between the individuals and maybe the corporate society or even like diplomats. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's the other part too. They're not like, you know, uh, hey, we're just going to set foot in the middle of, you know, Hoboken, New Jersey or whatever. We're in the middle of like Nowheresville. No, they're cultural, like welcomed as visiting diplomats and like, so well, you're not- like- let's say like aliens land they go to the white house right you know because of course yes. that's where they would go because america is the world yes they, they would go to the white house they see it um you know a, a diplomatic mission imagine they go to the kremlin oh lord wow <laughs> um a puppy runs up yeah and they grab the puppy oh thank you and then just like devour the puppy yeah i mean that that would that would set people off i would say if this is on national television right and joe public or whoever we call an average joe is watching it they might freak out would the president of the united states or the diplomats that are welcoming this new culture not be able to recognize this as a cultural difference and what the heck are you doing having a dog run up to this alien? Like, come on bro like hopefully you've got a little more control over your house than that um but I guess my point is I have a hunch that most societies are a little more forgiving mm-hmm. than that. Uh, I mean, like somewhat of it is, is like, like even thinking about like the transgender conversation is that I think some people are so afraid that they're going to use the wrong pronoun when referring to um, someone who prefers to be a they or is a he that prefers to be a she or whatever. Uh, and for the most part, I feel like, 
I feel like if your heart is in, if you you are obviously trying and you make a mistake, most people are pretty forgiving of oh, that. Oh, in in my experience, that has never been an issue. But what that that calling somebody by the wrong pronoun has caused them to get like super upset. Right. To my knowledge, in my admittedly limited experience. That has never happened. Yeah, in re- in the real world, right? On Twitter or whatever, or in <laughs> or in Tucker Carlson's imagination, yes, that happens all the time, right? Yeah, and, and I guess I, I feel like that's the same. The my assumption is that's kind of the same across the board. Is that uh, if you go into another culture, if I went to Russia or if I went to somewhere, for the most part, I don't feel like every little thing approached with humility and diplomacy i don't think they're gonna jump on every little thing i think where we get into trouble uh and that's where sometimes uh it sounds like traveling abroad i was joking about you talking about wanting to be in france uh a a while ago and that my the my perception is that french people don't really like americans uh and i think it's because sometimes when americans do travel abroad we just assume everyone speaks english and everyone adopts our same customs we're not wonderful diplomats uh, and so I feel like that is a little bit different. If we go into a culture already assuming that they're going to do everything like we do and having very little, very little patience for when they don't, even though they're in their culture, in their home, um, I feel like that's where we get into trouble. Now, when we go into another culture, though, do we, we need to have that in mind. That, and there are like professional diplomats, which was, sure. I think, Mariner's whole case in this in this episode that engineers are not trained to be diplomats right and it in the star trek universe it does seem like cultures tend to be a little more sensitive or like we were talking about with the andorians the andorians can be quick to offend Mm. or quick to take offense rather yeah that 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 doing something wrong with the andorian can very quickly lead to like you know that knife fight where they like cut off each other's antennas. So yes. that's that's um I think in some cultures it seems like maybe they take offense a little faster. Yeah. Maybe. I I, I think some of the challenge in Star Trek as well is um the uh cultures that are not expecting to be interacted with. Mm-hmm. So that's where they talk about like, you know, pre first contact or second, even second contact cultures yeah. where this is not something they're used to. They're not used to like, cause like you mentioned about aliens coming to earth. If aliens did come to earth, we're not ready for that. Right. Like this is, this is a new experience now, hundred years from now, when if aliens have been coming to our earth for, you know, years and years and years and years, it's a little bit different. Same thing like enterprise. The, the, the first time that, uh, you know, the Vulcans land in first contact and, you know they they make the live long and prosper sign and Zephram Cochran is you know very confused and first time anyone's seeing aliens and they're in the middle of Montana is very different than what was it 50 60 years later or whatever when we get the first episode of Enterprise was it only that long I mean Cochran's still alive so it can't be that long right from first contact to the warp 5 engine wait a minute wait a minute Cochran is still alive remind me of that well because well, because they show the they show the video of him launching the warp warp yeah. five thing, right? Well, oh, well plus that's we find right. out yeah. that Cochrane escapes to go live with uh, the what you call it. Yeah, that's fair. But that's that's a whole separate anyway. Thing, but, and he looks very very different than he does. Uh, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. But yes, yeah. So fifty years or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean that makes a big. They were much difference. more used to this interaction, even though it's still relatively new. And I think like yeah, the the patience that we have for Vulcans seems to change although then it seems to regress by the time you get to discovery almost but yeah anyway. but oh no wait well discovery is technically pre-curve right yes yes which is the other part that confuses me is it so then the latest timeline apparently that we have in the star trek timeline is lower decks that's the most current timeline so to speak well discovery is like way 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 in oh, the but future then they now. travel to the yeah. future okay well that that's kind of cheating but yeah uh, it is kind of cheating. but their but... <laughs> origin point yeah is pre- pre-current yes so so between enterprise and original exactly. theory it's still a prequel uh or but it, yeah because it takes the place the same time as lower or uh stranger Stranger world yes yeah so anyway that's even more confusing but what was um, our point 
So I'm talking about the different cultures and stuff like that, which is the, the interesting thing. Like, I think a better example, maybe, or a better uh, hypothetical mm-hmm. uh, is the Enterprise or the Cerritos or whatever itself. Because that, and, and like Roddenberry, I don't know that Roddenberry specifically saw the Enterprise as the United States as much as he saw it as the world. Uh, because especially back then, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of Russians in the United States. Right. We didn't have, we did have Japanese, but we were not treating them terribly well at the time. Um, but we had them on the Enterprise. And her is like an African princess or something, right? Uh, was she in in the show? Or is that more of a Strange New Worlds edition? Oh, it could be. Yeah. I mean, her name was definitely... Uh, so either way, yeah. I, again, I don't think the picture was supposed to be of the United States specifically. Yeah. Uh, but... I think, as as you know, uh, uh, um, uh, somebody who appreciates the United States, I think that's our dream. Some of us, yeah, uh, is that the United States is supposed to be that is supposed to be this melting pot of all of these different cultures, uh, and I think that's what we're definitely seeing these days. That's not always easy for all of these cultures to get along, and uh, and I mean that's why you know I don't know where the quote came from, but referred to like as the Great Experiment. Could we form a nation? out of entirely non-indigenous people that is a nation of immigrants. And mm-hmm. as we are seeing in you know, 2020, 2023, that's not an easy road to hoe, but um, that, that is the dream, right? Of how can all of these cultures work together and respect each other without just absorbing like, uh, or normalizing, like uh, we like your burritos. So now, well, technically burritos are an American creation anyway. Uh, we like your tacos, so we're gonna, you know, include that into our society now. Yeah. As opposed to appreciating your separate, your separate. Yeah, yeah, and I think we have to be mindful of how we, how we take on other cultures as well, though. Yeah. You know, and and it's difficult to do because being respectful for that culture is it, it means treating it as separate. Yeah. But still, like, honoring it. And you can participate. Like, I don't know, go to a Diwali celebration or whatever. Yes. But changing it to better fit your expectations, right. that's where it gets kind of icky. Right. Right. Well, and I think, too, and there's, there's, there's two sides of that as well, where I think about some, like, like uh, my wife was watching a lot of, uh, not Fresh Off the Boat, what was the other? Kim's Convenience. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is set Good in show. Canada. Uh, but it's it's somewhat of that similar sort of an idea where you've got um, like some generation that is wanting to hold on to the family culture mm-hmm. and the other generation that is just like, oh, no, just like, you know, I want to go to you know, rock concerts or whatever. I want to be like the culture around me. Right. So there's some of that pressure uh, about con- conformity. Uh, and then I think there's also some of the pressure of um, – uh, acceptance where it's it's like is it i want to fit in or is it we will not accept you until you do and i think it can be both there's not like a one or the other uh, but i think from our side like as resident uh americans i feel like that's we get to participate in the second part like how mm-hmm. can we view people from other cultures in an accepting way um even if, and I mean, and don't get me wrong, like it's, it's not easy. And I mean, like, you know, even thinking about like now, uh, my apartment building where I'm living right now, where, uh, the, the, the folks around me tend to look different than other people that I've lived around in past, uh, mm-hmm. have, like a lot more, uh, black neighbors and Hispanic neighbors. And, uh, probably we're all of like a lower income bracket than mm-hmm. other communities that I've lived in b- before. Um, and that, that's, there's cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody smokes marijuana apparently. And, and it's kind of like <laughs> my Pharisee judgment hat is usually on and it's, <laughs> it's really hard, especially now that marijuana is legal and all that sort of stuff like that. It's really hard to not judge those other cultures. Mm. And, uh, even though, cause especially like sometimes that they're like subcultures, you know, you're not even necessarily like you came from another uh, country and you're bringing your native culture, but this is your, you know, societal, yeah. you know, again, subculture. But and it gets even more complicated because like that individual person is not being an ambassador yes, of their culture. It's true either. And, and it's wrong to like take what that guy does and he smokes marijuana, you know, every night and say like, 
all Hispanic people smoke marijuana. You it's know? true. But that's where maybe it's even a sub-subculture. Right. Where, again, it's not even necessarily like, yeah, I'm going to say all Hispanic people or all black people or all whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's it's this person, this individual or the individuals and individual families around me. It's their culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's normative for them. They don't view themselves as doing anything uh, you know, like morally wrong or anything like that. Yeah, or even and out of the norm. Exactly, out of the norm is maybe even a better way to put yeah. it. Uh, uh, and how I can interact then um, with, and I mean, the tough part is too, is that, you know, don't get me wrong, like the, the d- diplomatic part of me, like I've never once like yelled at them or, you know, accused them of being bad humans or like you know you're all gonna burn in hell forever or something like that i've never you keep those things to yourself well that's the challenge right the internal part Hmm. is that it's like there's a difference between the external and the internal and the internal is diplomacy and that's good or the external is diplomacy but the internal is also important and that if i'm still judging in my own head even if i'm not expressing it that way Mm -hmm. that's not a whole that's still not pro- solving the problem you know as white dudes mm. you know we i think that we have a lot of times where we find ourselves but th- this feeling where you are in a group of people and you are obviously the only white man mm. in this group of people and there is a certain level level of discomfort felt by everybody else because mm. you're you are you are in this group. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I feel like I have. Yeah. Rarely. Um, I mean, I think, and that's also part of it is that it's, it's, it's rare that I'm the, I'm in a situation where I'm the only person that looks like me hmm. uh, as opposed to my wife, where it is a very common experience. Right. Like virtually every church that we visit, she's the only black face in the crowd. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know what that is like as much. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's very different though because as white men we have a certain i think the discomfort felt by the other people in that group mm. is because we because of the the i mean the white patriarchy yeah. let's just get that word out of there out yeah. there the white patriarchy has has power right in society you yeah. know and that that is that is felt and it sure. is assumed by the people around us yeah. And when we are in a group of like mostly Hispanic people, even other Hispanic men, I I have felt a lot of, of like a deference, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe it's also because of like how I look and how I talk too. you know, I, mm-hmm. I tend to carry myself, you know, I, I read a lot. I have a large vocabulary. Mm-hmm. I you know, and I don't think that I'm unfriendly. Um, actually, quite the contrary. I like to think that I am pretty friendly. Yeah. But I, I don't, I, because of who I am and my place in society, I never feel the need or I rarely feel the need to code switch, mm. you know. Right. And, and so thusly, I don't, you know, and, and I say words like thusly around people <laughs> yep. and, and and that that sets me apart yeah but that's um i think we need to be mindful of that and i don't mm-hmm. think that you need to change who you are you shouldn't need to change who you are to be with other people that people should be more right. accepting of other people yeah. but that it does go both ways like you know if you're in a group of other people and like you know they come from a different culture or subculture or sub subculture, you know, instead of being that guy, you know, you can be, you can enjoy experiencing the world through other people's eyes. Hmm. And there's something, there's something inherently valuable in that. Yeah. You know, Hmm. and I say things like something inherently inherently valuable. valuable. Yeah. That's a good one too. (laughs) Well, I, I think it's interesting because, like, it makes me think about, like, uh, the the uh, Apostle Paul talks about being all things to all people, mm-hmm. uh, and that I think the like another side of that is you're right. Like, I, I don't think you should have to 
we shouldn't have to change who we are in order to interact with other people. However, being willing to not necessarily change who we are, but like be a different side or, you know, like change the way that we talk in for, for diplomatic reasons. Uh, I feel like that, that level of self-sacrifice is mm -hmm. kind of an interesting side of like the Christian, uh, the Christian walk. Uh, that we we choose to, um, to to take that sacrifice in order to like could I you know what is it the eating meat from idols like do I believe that eating meat from idols is gonna you know send me straight to hell no like that's fine however if you do me eating this thing is going to hurt you is you're going to change the way you look at things because you see me doing this I'm gonna give up my rights to do that. Well, like gosh, that, that just sounds like a lot of self-sacrifice, and I'm not sure does. if I'm willing to do Isn't that. that. That sounds that sounds like crazy, crazy Jesus talk, right? <laughs> um, but I think that's an interesting, and I think there's also a difference though between being required and forced as opposed to offering that up. I'm yeah. willing to sacrifice this for the sake of our interaction, but willing to sacrifice your comfort. Yes. And that's, exactly. that's a big thing. But not forcing you to sacrifice your comfort. No. If you want to sacrifice your comfort, I will allow it. But I'm not, well, I will allow it. Sounds very judgy. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's, I'm not going to force you to do that in order to get along with me. Right. Um, if, hey, and what an amazing world it would be if you were willing to sacrifice some of your comfort and I was willing to sacrifice some of my comfort and we could meet in the middle. Right. Like, that'll preach right there. There's yep. your sermon for you on Sunday. But th there's, you know, when you're with the other people in your complex and they're, I don't know, hanging out in the in the courtyard and smoking pot. Oh, no, they do it anyway. <laughs> it's far closer than that, my friend. Well, the, you know, if you're if you're hanging out with them. Yes. You know, it's not that like you need to do anything that is going to you feel like it's going to cause you to stumble, you know, like, sure. you know, you don't need to also smoke pot if right. you don't want to yes and but i think it would be a mistake to go in there with a bunch of uh tracks talking about the dangers of marijuana right. as well yeah. so the the a much better i think a better witness is to just be among them and hear them talk and talk yourself yeah and yeah. try not to use words like thusly thusly perhaps <laughs> hopefully i mean like for me it's like be like right outside of my window uh and i will close the window when they're smoking and i don't say anything i don't yell i don't even like as i'm shutting the window yeah. i just shut the window it's not subtle don't get me wrong uh but hopefully that's you know that's this and then the other reality is too their house too you know yeah so th this is a public space that they're in even though it happens to be right outside my window that's kind of not my fault necessarily, but the designer's fault. <laughs> but nonetheless. The designer is also made in the image of God. And he should be due, um, you know, the grace that we would give anybody to. The... Sure, sure. sure. I'll, I'll they made a mistake. And they made a mistake by putting. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be also why our apartment was available. That's another possibility. Right. It's, it's the, the one, one that gets all the, the marijuana smoke. It's <laughs> right in that corner there. <laughs> Oh, well, but enough marijuana talk, my friends. Uh, I think... And we didn't uh, even have Robert on. That's true. Is that a thing? This I don't know. This is his area of expertise. Is it really? Okay, we haven't gotten into there. So, uh, <laughs> But uh, it hasn't come up, at least in the episodes I've watched of uh, Lower Decks yet. So um, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> For a marijuana episode. For a marijuana... Well, I don't know. Maybe that's like a thing. Maybe it's going to be like a very special episode. Like... Tendi or, or, gets uh, addicted to marijuana. Oh, Lord. I don't know. Oh, and then they learn a lesson. Yeah. About, I don't know. The, the reefer madness or something. Right. I don't know anything about that. But, my friends, do you realize, I just realized, we have two episodes left of this season. I don't know if that does anything for you guys, because the reality is we take, like, what? I don't know how long we'll take off this time, but usually... Uh, we try and uh, come out right about the time of premiere season, which is like a month from now. So I don't even think Jeez. we'll make it that way. So who knows? We'll take a couple of weeks off. But before we get there, we do still have two more episodes. We get to talk Strange New Worlds. Woo! So uh, I don't know if Greg will be able to catch up on season three. Hopefully, uh, is there a season three episode I want to talk about yet? I don't know. I could... 
Oh, I'm sorry. Season two. Whatever. Okay. I was um, going to be really behind. Right? We're way behind then in that case. No, no. We can find... I know at least one episode I really want to talk about. So we'll uh, we'll figure out two of those okay. episodes that we can chat uh, and uh, yeah, dive into there. Maybe even, again, since this is Judy's new obsession, maybe we'll even have my wife uh, pop in. Can you do more um, of your Pike impression? Oh, Lord. Uh, it depends on what season. It okay. depends on what season we're doing. Are you everybody? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what voice I'm doing, but, uh, and why he always says, you can't see the floppy arms, but for some reason he has very <laughs> floppy arms. <laughs> He's not Boimler. Yeah. Well, does he have floppy arms? I feel like he, uh, he has a floppy body just in general. So, um, yeah, which came up in this episode too about being the oil painting, which we didn't get to see. Yeah, that's thankfully, right. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> All right, my friends, for that, we're all looking forward, hopefully, to our final two. Ending on a high note, ending on a high note for this season. Uh, but for this episode, my friends, we will wish you a fond farewell by saying, Live long and prosper. Peace and long life.